For the first time since the 2017-2018 season, the Gonzaga Bulldogs are not in the preseason top 10 of the AP poll. And that's just fine. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash college and use the promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, folks, we are taking a break from our player preview series. We got three more coming your way to close out the week. I'll be out of town for the last couple of days, so there'll be some pre-recorded player previews for you all on Thursday and Friday. But for today, we got some discussion on Gonzaga's unique non-conference schedule. We're going to break it down using some Ken Palm numbers, take a look at this, uh, the outliers of Gonzaga's schedule. We're also going to take a look at our guy, Julian Strother, who is absolutely money right now for the Denver Nuggets in the preseason. But before we get to all that, the AP polls out. Folks, college basketball is so close to being here. We got secret scrimmages taking place left and right. We got AP polls coming out. We got Ken Palm's rankings coming out. It is the time of the year where this st- this stuff starts really getting into gear. And the AP poll for the first time since 2017, six years ago, the Gonzaga Bulldogs are not an AP top 10 team. Now, for those who are starting to panic a little bit, they're 11th. So it was a pretty narrow, narrow miss for being a top 10 team. Frankly, a lot of media outlets have had them in the 15 to 20 range. I've seen a few places having them between 20 and 25. That's That feels a little low, uh, but I think top 10 is would be banking a lot on Gonzaga because this is a, a new team. This is a new roster. I think 15 to 20 kind of feels like the reasonable range. I don't think 11 is, is too high necessarily. I think it's fine. I, I looked at like Okay, here's the top 10. We'll just get into that right now. Kansas and Duke are one and two. No surprises there. Kansas gets Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. Duke returns basically everybody. Uh, get Kyle Filipowski back, Tyrese Proctor back. It'd be great. A pair of uh, Big Ten teams coming in next. Purdue is third. Zags will, of course, play them. Michigan State is fourth. Two teams that return a huge chunk of talent from last year's roster. Then you get a nice little Big East run. Marquette is five. UConn is six. Uh, Creighton is eight. Houston sandwiches them at number seven. Tennessee comes in at nine and Florida Atlantic comes in at 10. I know some people believe Gonzaga should be ahead of Florida Atlantic. I think a lot of people haven't figured out what to do with Florida Atlantic. The only point I would make there is this was not a a Wichita State situation where it was a team that just kind of caught fire at the end of the year and went on a deep run or George Mason or VCU or any of those other Loyola Chicago kind of Elite eight final four runs we've seen from from lower seeded teams. Uh, Florida Atlantic was a 30 win team in the regular season. They were a top 25 caliber team throughout the year, and they returned all of their starters, which is really unprecedented in college basketball. Do I think they'll finish the season 10th? Probably not. Do I think Gonzaga will finish the season higher than them? Not sure. Tough to say. I think it's it's certainly possible, but I don't think FAU is is horribly uh, overranked at 10. In fact, I think that that's actually pretty close to where they should be. So for Gonzaga, again, you're talking about a team that lost three starters. 
They lost their all-time leading scorer in Drew Timmy. They lose Julian Strother, who we'll talk about more momentarily, but a fantastic college basketball player. They lose two veteran guards in Rasir Bolton and Malachi Smith. They also lose pretty much the rest of their bench in Hunter Salas and Efton Reed, and of course Dominic Harris all out the door via the transfer portal. This is a team that, yes, Ryan Nemphart is perhaps the best point guard in college basketball, at least a top three, top five point guard in the game. Graham E.K., if healthy, is a guy who, who averaged 20 and 10 in the Mountain West. He's fantastic. Steel Venters fills a role, and I think you've got some young guys who could really pop. But the bench, outside of Ben Gregg, has zero Division I college basketball experience. Zero. Dusty Stromer has not played. Luka Krajnovic has not played. Jun Sakyo has not played. This is, Braden Huff has not played. This is a team that is very inexperienced, and that is unusual for Mark Few. It makes them a little bit harder to predict, a little bit harder to project in terms of how they're going to look. A starting five of Graham E.K., Anton Watson, Steele Venters, Nolan Hickman, and Ryan Nemhart is very solid. Very, very solid. But again, there's a reason they're ranked 11th in the AP poll because people know that that's a really good group of guys. Anton Watson could take that leap and be this team's – he could be their leading scorer, at least second or third leading scorer, be a bigger offensive threat. Nolan Hickman is kind of a big X factor for this team in terms of how he adjusts to that off-the-ball role. But this is a team that there are more questions than there have been historically for Gonzaga rosters. And by historically, I mean during this six-year stretch where Gonzaga has been a preseason top 10 team. This team has more questions than any of those rosters did. And that's why it's not a shock to me to see them be a little bit lower. Now, Ken Palm loves them. Ken Palm has them fifth, for those of you who have not seen that. Ken Palm's, uh, obviously, it's a computer system that it doesn't have biases in that way. Uh, it does factor in uh, you know, previous records. It does factor in coaching and, and various other things. But uh, I think five is very high. I think 11 feels about right. But I think ultimately we're looking at another Gonzaga team that's going to win a whole bunch of games. They're going to run through the WCC with maybe some trip-ups against St. Mary's. They're going to get a pretty high seed in March, and they're going to do well in the big dance. I don't have any doubt about any of those things, but I'm not surprised that the human element looks at this roster and thinks, hey, there's a few more questions about this team than there have been in the past, and we're maybe going to bump them down a tad. And again, 11 being the worst Gonzaga has been ranked in the last six years. All that tells you is how unbelievable this run for Mark Few's program has been in the last decade in Spokane. I want to talk a little bit about the teams Gonzaga is playing because part of the reason they have had that success is because they have been so good at scheduling. We'll talk a lot more about scheduling in the second segment of today's show. But as a reminder, Gonzaga is going to play at the minimum five top 25 preseason ranked teams. Not sure if they'll all be in that top 25 by the time that game rolls around, but right now the Zags are scheduled to play two top 10 teams in Purdue, who is who they open the Maui Invitational against. Purdue is, of course, third. They will also play UConn, who is number six in that battle in Seattle game at Climate Pledge Arena in December. They will also play Kentucky, who is who comes in at number 16. Of course, that game is all the way in February, so the rankings are going to have changed a lot between now and then. The Zags also play San Diego State at San Diego State, two true road games against AP top 20 teams in San Diego State and Kentucky. Of course, UConn and Purdue are neutral site games as well as USC, which they will play in Las Vegas. USC comes in at number 21. So five minimum, but they also have two more games in Maui. That second game will either be against Tennessee or Syracuse. Tennessee is nine. Syracuse is not ranked, but their third game, depending how things shake out, 
could be Kansas, who's number one, could be Marquette, who's number five, uh, could be UCLA, who is not ranked, although they are, I assume, very close to being ranked. Ken Palm has them 26th. I think they probably just missed the cut there. Wouldn't be a shock if, I don't know, I don't know UCLA's to start their schedule off the top of my head, but if they have any big games before Maui, or even if they win in Maui, uh, there's a chance that they are a top 25 team by the time Gonzaga plays them, if that is the way that that matchup shakes out. Of course, Gonzaga also has at least two, probably three games against St. Mary's. St. Mary's came in at number 23 in the AP poll as well. So we talked about the top half of Gonzaga's non-conference schedule, five ranked teams, potentially a handful more. That is always the draw. That is always what makes Gonzaga so appealing. But the schedule is also pretty bottom heavy. In fact, Gonzaga is playing Ken Palm's top-ranked team and bottom-ranked team in a 21-day period of time. Another example of what I'm calling Gonzaga's no-middle scheduling. We're going to talk more about why this is, how this works for Gonzaga when they schedule their non-conference, all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Folks, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best and most qualified candidates available And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and they do it for free. It's super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs and then you just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, which spreads the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions can make it easy for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you may quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. Because right now, hiring the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs, or excuse me, that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering those quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, once again, helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking out the show on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Go join us on the Discord channel as well, Locked On Zags Discord. There is a link available in the show notes. You can click that there. We're going to move on and talk about a topic that I recently wrote about. Uh, as, while I'm in the promotion mood, I wrote about this for my new website, ScoreZag Score. It's literally scorezagscore.com. Just go check it out. Uh, all content written by me. It's completely free. And I wrote a recent article talking about Gonzaga's non-conference schedule. Because the the funny kind of anecdote is what I said in that teaser there. Gonzaga's playing Purdue, who, according to Ken Palm, is the number one team in the country. They're also playing Mississippi Valley State, who is number 362. Mississippi Valley State comes one spot below LeMoyne, who is literally starting D1 for the first time this year. That is how little the system thinks about Mississippi Valley State. Preseason rankings, especially ranking all 362 teams at this point with so much newcomers, transfers, whatever, basically no idea if Mississippi Valley State is actually the worst team in college basketball. Just saying that for those of you who think, wow, it feels like Gonzaga always schedules really good teams and really bad teams. You're right. That is exactly how it works. That is how it has worked for a long time. But this year in particular is pretty jaw-dropping. Here's the number. Gonzaga does not have a single non-conference opponent, according to Ken Palm, ranked between 79 and 218. That is a huge spread. Not a single team, 80 through 200. Nobody in there. And in fact, they only have two teams 
between 29, which is where San Diego State comes in, and 219, which is where Jackson State comes in. There are 190 college basketball teams in between San Diego State and Jackson State. Gonzaga is playing two of them. Those two teams would be Yale, who is number 71, and Washington, who is number 78. That is it. Every other team is either top 30 or outside the top 215. That is unique. That is unusual. And it's not uncommon for Gonzaga. It's This is a particularly kind of wild spread for this team. Like last year, they played Kent State. They played a couple other teams that were kind of more in that middle range. But it's not that uncommon for Gonzaga either. Again, just to recap, the top five, Purdue, UConn, Kentucky, USC, San Diego State, all top 30 teams. You have Yale and Washington in the middle. Your bottom five, Jackson State comes in at 219. Cal State Bakersfield's 278. Arkansas Pine Bluff is 339. Mississippi Valley State is 362, dead last. And then Eastern Oregon is an NAIA non-Division I school, so they would count as being certainly below that number as well. Of course, Gonzaga has two other games in Maui probably going to be top teams. Syracuse right now is 105th. So if that's who Gonzaga draws, they would end up falling into that middle range. Uh, but that's kind of the only team that would fit in there. Otherwise, they either play Chaminade uh, or they would play UCLA, Marquette, Kansas, who are all in that top 25 conversation. So why is this? It's not actually that complicated. Effectively, it can be boiled down to this. Those middle teams don't want to play Gonzaga and Gonzaga doesn't want to play them. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yale makes sense as a team that pretty much has to win. One Ivy League team is making it. Yale's got to win the Ivy League if they want to make the NCAA tournament. A loss to Gonzaga or a win to Gonzaga really just doesn't matter for Yale. Either they win the Ivy League tournament or they don't make the NCAA tournament. That's it. Washington, of course, there's the rivalry there. So that, of course, makes a lot more sense. But this kind of aversion to playing these middle-of-the-road teams is part of the reason Gonzaga has not been playing Washington State for a long time as well. Basically, teams ranked in that 80 to 200 range, probably more like 80 to 140, 150 range, let's say that, a lot of them view themselves as NCAA tournament at-large candidates. And a lot of them would be. Arizona State's on here, Fresno State's on here, Utah State's on here. They're all between 80 and 110. Now, I picked them because they're regional teams that it might make sense for Gonzaga to schedule, and they don't because those teams do not want to go to the McCarthy Athletic Center and lose. It does not do them any good. It does not benefit Arizona State to lose that game. It does not benefit Fresno State or Utah State to lose that game. Not in the way that a, uh, you know, certainly these SWAC teams like Texas State and like Arcpine Bluff and Mississippi Valley State, they get money to go play, to go to Spokane and lose. Like they get paid to do that. So that's why they're doing that. But for for those middle of the pack teams, those, those teams that do have NCAA tournament aspirations, they don't want to risk this because they're, again, they're going to have to go to Spokane. Because the other side of the coin, Gonzaga's not going to Utah State to lose. They're not going on the road to play that game. They'll, they'd probably win it. They'd probably beat Arizona State uh, at Arizona State Stadium. They, they might. But there's no there's no real reason to do that. Gonzaga wants to schedule home and homes. They want to play more home and homes. But they don't want to do them unless it's worth it. They'll do it against Texas. They'll do it against North Carolina. They'll do the neutral sites, to you know, home and home series like they did with Alabama and UConn. But they're not doing it against teams outside that top kind of 40 conversation because it's not worth it for them either. These, these teams that don't want to play Gonzaga, that makes sense because they don't want to lose those games, but Gonzaga doesn't want to play them either. 
And I think that's the big part of the conversation too. Gonzaga has to be more intentional with their non-conference schedule than teams that are at the same caliber of them, but that play in better conferences. It is not a shock to any of you listening to this show that Gonzaga is one of the most unique college basketball teams in the country. They are a premier brand. They are a premier talent year in and year out. I'm not going to get into the argument of what a blue blood is versus what a not blue blood is. They can be a new blood. We can call them that. But regardless, this is a team that is perennially a top 10, top five, top three seed in the NCAA tournament year in and year out. They are a legitimate threat to win the NCAA tournament or go to the Elite Eight, go to the Final Four every single year. Basically, every other team that that can be said about, and I, I, I shouldn't have said basically, every other team that that can be said about is in a power conference. They play very good opponents every single week from January to March. Gonzaga does not. And those of you who are everyday listeners to the show, you know I love the WCC. You know I'm not a hater. You know that I, I get excited about covering the conference. I like talking about some of these mid-level teams. But I'm never for one second going to pretend that Gonzaga's schedule January to March is anywhere close to the same caliber of opponent night in and night out as the Big 12, the Big East, the SEC, the Big 10, the Pac-12, any of them. It's not. It never has been, and it probably never will be. So for Gonzaga, their non-conference matters more. It matters more than every team in the country that's not named St. Mary's. Every single team in the country not named St. Mary's, their non-conference schedule matters more. I don't think this is a, a hot take. I don't think this is a, an untrue statement at all. I think it's it's hard to deny that Gonzaga's non-conference schedule matters more than every other game, than every other team in the country, again, outside of St. Mary's, who probably needed a little bit more because of less brand recognition and various other things. So Gonzaga cannot risk losing non-conference games except to premier teams. They just cannot, they cannot take that risk. Gonzaga is willing to lose in Maui. They're willing to lose to UConn in Seattle. They're willing to lose on the road at San Diego State and Kentucky. They're willing to lose to USC in Vegas because none of those losses are killer. A combination of those losses could be kind of damaging. All of them being losses would certainly be damaging. But in a vacuum, each of those individual losses, unless they you know, lose, Syracuse would be, a, would, would be a bad loss. Chaminade, of course, would be a bad loss. But outside of that, none of those games are bad losses. Individually, not a single one of them. Yale would be, Washington would be, but Gonzaga's willing to take those risks. That's it, though. They're not going to take a risk to play Fresno State, even at home, even at home, or Utah State, or anybody else in that conversation. Meanwhile, you got let's look at Kentucky. Kentucky's playing St. Joe's in the A-10. They're playing UNC Wilmington. They're playing Illinois State. They're playing New Mexico State. Every one of those teams is between 104 and 178 in Ken Palm's preseason rankings. Again, a, a grouping of schools where Gonzaga is playing nobody. Kentucky can do that because every single game that they play in the SEC is against a team ranked 79th or higher right now at Ken Palm. That will, of course, change. But for right now, every non-conference every conference game that Kentucky plays is a top 80 matchup per Ken Palm. Gonzaga has one team that is a top, top 80 team per Ken Palm in their conference. Of course, that is St. Mary's. That is a huge difference, and it is why Gonzaga basically schedules teams that they're guaranteed to beat or teams that they can risk losing to, and that's why you don't see those teams in the middle of the pack because it's just not worth the risk for them, and it's kind of a bummer 
I would like to see them play more of those games. I've said on record I'd love for them to bring back the Washington State rivalry. There are a handful of other teams that I would love to see them play. Some of those Mountain West teams that we just mentioned, some other lower level teams in the Pac-12. Like there are a lot of teams in the Big East. I'd love to see them play like Dayton and St. Louis in the A-10. Like there are some really fun, good teams out there that it'd be cool to see Gonzaga C play. I don't blame them for scheduling the way that they do. I understand it. They're playing within the rules of what they have to do. But if they ever do get in another conference, if the Big 12 thing actually happens, if they if they join a, a even a Pac-2 Mountain West combination thing, I think they're going to just wait it out for the Big 12. But if something like that happens, then the scheduling will change. Probably because they'll actually schedule some of these WCC teams in the non-conference. If Gonzaga's in the Big 12, I think they might still play San Francisco or Portland or Pepperdine or, or somebody like that. Not every year. But I think that you'll see a few of those teams get added in place of some of the super, you know, high tier games. They'll still play a handful of those. Don't get me wrong. But if Gonzaga's in the Big 12, they don't have to play seven ranked teams in the non-conference. They can play four. And then those three other games can be those middle of the pack teams because they have that flexibility to do that. But until that happens, expect Gonzaga to continue to schedule in a way where every reveal is either a really premier brand or a team that most people haven't heard of, because that's how it's going to be until things change. We're going to close on the show today discussing Julian Strother, who has already made a big name for himself with the Denver Nuggets in the NBA preseason. We're going to discuss why after a word from today's sponsor, PrizePix. Folks, PrizePix is now offering weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like their Taco Tuesday deal. Each Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. With the prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Folks, if you are playing for NFL or college football top 25 teams and you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return, that player is rebooted. This is unprecedented in the daily fantasy space. It is the only platform with this injury insurance. This thing, folks, it's super easy to use. You just pick two or more players and you choose more or less with the given stat. There are some hilariously easy options. Patrick Mahomes, 155 passing yards, smashed the over. He hasn't been under that since 2019. And we'll talk more about Julian Strother, but if he's on that list, you smash up every time the way he's playing right now in the NBA preseason. So go to pricepix.com slash college and use that promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepix.com slash college. Use promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, folks, closing out the show today, talking Zags in the NBA. I guess more specifically talking Zag in the NBA. We are doing a full segment here to close out the show, talking about King Julian. Julian Strother has had a remarkable start to his professional basketball playing career with the Denver Nuggets. Reminder for those of you who, who maybe tuned out over the offseason for, for Gonzaga basketball, Julian Strother was selected 29th overall by the Denver Nuggets in the 2023 NBA draft. Technically, he was drafted by the Pacers, but the pick was flipped to Denver, whatever. It does not matter. Strother is joining the Denver Nuggets. He played well in summer league. And now as we get into the NBA preseason, he's been playing about 20 minutes a night for their first three games. And he has been killing it currently through three games of, of summer excuse me of NBA preseason Strother is averaging 19.7 points per game 
Not doing a lot else. Two boards, one assist, just under a block a game. Not a lot of passing, not a lot of rebounding, but a lot of scoring. He's shooting 58% from the field and a blistering 50% from deep. Not one of two, not two of four, not even four of eight. 12 of 24 for Julian Strother. Eight three-point attempts per game, and dude is knocking him down at a 50% clip. In game one, Strother had 25 points on four of nine shooting from deep. That came in 24 minutes of action. Game two was his quote-unquote worst game so far. 16 points, four of eight shooting from deep. That came in just 20 minutes of action. Game three, 20 points again. Four four of seven shooting for him in that one on 21 minutes. Fantastic start for Julian Strother. For those of you who follow Denver Nuggets people on social media, uh, read any of the blogs, like people, they're very excited about what they have here in Julian Strother. And they should be. They should be. It's it's kind of fun to see people geeking out about the things he does that they didn't see because they didn't watch Gonzaga basketball. Wow, he's got a really quick release. Yep, he sure does. He moves really well without the basketball. He sure does. Wow, it seems like he never misses his floater. Sure does. All of those things are true. All of those things were evident watching Gonzaga basketball last year, but seeing it translate into the NBA already is a very promising sign. Yes, it's preseason. Yes, teams are not playing all of their starters all the time. Yes, Strother's not going to play 20 minutes per game for Denver. We'll talk about that momentarily. But this shows why the Nuggets coveted him, why he has an NBA skill set, why, frankly, 29th might have been too low for him to get selected in last year's NBA draft. The Nuggets have a strategy. They've shown it the last two years, and it is working for them. They draft wings from high-level college basketball programs. That's the strategy. In 2022, they drafted Peyton Watson out of UCLA. He was kind of a project. Uh, he didn't play all that well in his only fr- his freshman years on the year at UCLA, but they're expecting him to fill a bigger role this year. They also, in that same draft, uh, nine spots later, tra- selected Christian Braun out of Kansas. He's coming off a national championship. Then, of course, won himself a ring with the Denver Nuggets, played a key role for that team as a true rookie and the 30th overall pick. And then they took Strother, 29th overall, 2023, coming out of Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Kansas, UCLA, all guys who are about six, seven, six, nine, somewhere in that range. It's a, it's a winning strategy. It's clearly paying dividends. Of course, the Nuggets, as a team that are trying to win right now, they're not a rebuilding team. They're more likely to take veteran guys like Braun, like Strother, guys who they expect to, they don't need three years you know, on the bench before they're actually ready to be NBA players. They're ready now. And Strother's ability to move without the ball, his ability to catch and shoot quickly, again, that release is very, very quick, uh, is going to make him fit really well in an offense surrounded by Nikola Jokic. Because Jokic is a phenomenal passer. If you're cutting to the basket, he's going to find you. If he puts the ball on the deck and you're spotting up as a shooter, he's going to find you. Same with Jamal Murray. Like This is a team that can use a guy coming off the bench who moves well without the basketball, who catches the basketball and shoots it. Julian Strother might score a lot. Of, he might score more points this year than the times he dribbles the basketball. Like I genuinely believe he is going to catch and shoot, and that is going to be his role. Already in preseason, he's not getting a lot of assists. He's not getting a lot of rebounds because he's not asked to do that. He's asked to roam his way around the perimeter, find the open spot, catch the ball, shoot the ball. And he's darn good at it, folks. It's really good at it. That's that's his skill set. Uh, the fact that Denver is taking advantage of what he is good at is proof that he's going to be a player who plays for them right away. Now, Denver's also really deep. And those guys, those aforementioned Peyton Watson and Christian Braun are going to limit Strother's playing time in year one. I think he will play. 
but I am not sure how much. For small forward right now, the Denver Nuggets have Michael Porter Jr., who they just gave a big contract, who was their third star on a team that just won a championship. He's starting at the three. They have Justin Holiday as the backup there. They also have Braun and Peyton Watson all in the mix there, as well as Hunter Tyson, who they uh, took this year out of Clemson, uh, another very talented player uh, joining the NBA as a rookie this year. As shooting guard, they have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They also have Braun, who could play some shooting guard for them. They also have Jalen Pickett in that mix as well. Of course, Jamal Murray is going to start at the one. So for Strother, I think he's a 2-3 hybrid. I don't think he'll play much small ball four. I think he could, but I don't think he will. I think he's mostly, he's really a three. I think he could play a little bit at the two, depending on the lineups that they have in there, but he's mostly a three, and that's a pretty deep position for Denver right now. I think he's going to play. I think ultimately there'll be some days where he picks up DNP CDs, just do not play coach's decision. I think for the most part, though, he's going to be kind of a fringe rotation guy. Eight minutes here, 12 minutes here, some games because of an injury, maybe he plays 16 minutes, that kind of stuff. But I think at the end of the year, you're going to look at a rookie who played 10 minutes per game, averaged, you know, five, six points, whatever, something like that, shot 40-something percent from three. And you're going to look at that and be like, this is a guy who's going to continue to grow, who's going to continue to develop. Like he's a he's a three-year guy, but he's still very young. Like Denver got a guy who can contribute in year one, but is going to continue to get better as he goes in the NBA. This was a home run pick for the Denver Nuggets. They're already feeling it. They should be feeling it. If you're not a Nuggets fan, this is a little frustrating because they they can continue to get away with taking players who are going to help their team immediately, which is uh, the easiest way to break up a dynasty is to hope they make bad draft picks. And Denver is not doing that right now. Uh, but I think it's going to be really fun to see Strother succeed in this Denver system. Maybe not a bunch of playing time in year one, but man, every single preseason game, he continues to make a stronger case for a, for a big role in this team right out of the gate. That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or watch of the day. Appreciate all of you checking out the show on YouTube. Uh, once again, go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Join us on the Discord channel. Link is in the show notes below. You can also find my written content at scorezagscore.com. Sincerely appreciate all of you who have done even one of those things. Certainly any of you who have done all three of those things, very much appreciate it. We'll be back later this week with more of our player preview series as we get closer and closer to the college basketball season. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.